0: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your punch on ready? I came out the wall line already. It is in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. No it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die, Only the tackle of the 40 Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can! <laughs> What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast with your host Matt Bruning. It is Thursday, January 3rd and man has it been a uh, drama filled past couple days if you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Antonio Brown or Big Ben Roethlisberger. This story just seems to uh, continue to get worse and uh, it's, um, as a Browns fan in all honesty it's kind of funny to watch this uh, Steelers Empire crumble right in front of my eyes. Other than the AB drama, though, we've really had uh, a lot of head coaching uh, news coming out here and there. A lot of teams getting interviews. Interestingly enough, the Browns have been letting people know when they have completed interviews with the head coaching or head coaching candidates. Uh, Something that John Dorsey had addressed in one of his press conferences here lately was that he wasn't going to get into all the rumors on who he was or was not going to interview. But what he would do is let people know when he has concluded interviews with um, His head coaching prospects or the uh, people who were trying to get the head coaching job of the Browns, who again, I think is one of the most attractive jobs this summer, uh, right there with the Green Bay Packers, but I would put the Packers number one. Uh, But like I talked about earlier, I'm not really going to get into those just because, uh, well, the Browns have actually been pretty straightforward. Uh, Some other teams have and have not been. I, I just, it makes no sense for me to talk about, at least in my opinion. Okay, great. So Jim Caldwell interviewed for the Browns. It wrapped up. yesterday you know he may not even get the job so what's the point in talking about him and what he would do for the cleveland browns if he got the job we'll worry about that once he gets a job and the same with all the other eight uh open vacancies here we'll talk about them once the coaching jobs are filled and uh you know i'll give you guys my view on what i think that does for the fantasy stars there if it helps them hurts them what i think it means for the overall teams and whatnot so with it being January 3rd, we have had multiple prospects coming out and uh, saying that they are declaring for the draft. Uh, recently, or most recently that I saw, Mark Marquise Hollywood-Brown of Oklahoma, a very good and speedy wide receiver. And Miles Sanders, the running back out of Penn State, whom I love. Um, I cannot... T- talk about that kid enough I I really love that kid love him as a prospect I think is continuing to make this running back class uh, deeper and and sneaky good a lot better than a lot of people gave it credit for earlier in the year and really earlier this offseason talking about how this wasn't going to be that good of a running back class I think there's a lot more running backs uh, possibly in this class and more possibly even coming out uh, that can make this class deeper than many thought it would be Um, however we still have I believe it's 12 more days yes 12 more days until the declared date which is January 15th, Uh, by January 15th, all of the players who are allowed to enter the NFL draft have to declare whether they are going back to school or going into the draft. Obviously, the big one for the NFL news is still Dwayne Haskins. We're waiting to see if he's going to come out. If he does, uh, like I've said before, he will easily be now with Herbert going back to school, the number one quarterback on the board for NFL teams and for fantasy this year in the draft. Or I should say rookie drafts, not draft drafts or redraft leagues or anything like that. But he'll be the number one quarterback for rookie drafts as well as the NFL. And going to be interesting then to see how that plays out with the Giants and Jags both being right up there um, needing quarterbacks. If the Jags try and jump the Giants or if the Giants try and move up to make sure they get Haskins. as He is, in my opinion, the only quarterback that I am 100% sold on. uh, And that's taking my Ohio State Buckeye bias out of it this kid is something special i think he has a chance to be a very good nfl quarterback going forward i'm obviously also a very big fan of will greer i've talked about that but i still would put haskins um at least uh, a level above where will greer is right now and what he is coming in to the nfl but anyways enough of the prospect talk we're going to save that for an episode after January 15th, once the whole class is done. I'm telling you guys, if that's what you guys want to hear, just stick with it. 12 more days, um, I'm going to be pumping stuff out left and right on the prospects because that is what I love to do. I've already started doing some write-ups on players that I know are coming out and will continue to do so uh, as more and more people come out and declare uh, for the NFL draft. I will have a full list out and we'll start ranking them and talking about them. Uh, Besides my uh, articles that I will do for QBList.com and put them out there, I will also go into full breakdowns on the podcast as well for a couple players every single week. And get you guys, uh, give you guys uh, some idea of what I'm liking and what I think about these guys. Now again, the list will change throughout the off season. Uh, I think when I first did my list last year, you know, I had Ronald Jones I think up at four and Nick Chubb down at 11 because Nick Chubb's knee worried me. I wasn't exactly sure how far back he was. I still needed to go back and look at tape on him and look at some different stuff with him, his stats, how he did here and there at the combine, pro day, all that stuff factors into it. Though I'll be honest, combine and pro day stats do not. Or, or do not change for me much. I think that that's kind of a, a little bit overrated. Some dude running around uh, in a t-shirt. And uh, in a t-shirt and underwear really doesn't show much for me. You know, just shows how fast he can run in a straight line. Most of the time, you're not running in a straight line pretty much naked you you have pads on and a football and people chasing you uh so I really don't t- put too much stock into the pro day and the combine but it does change some little things here and there um so obviously that stuff will change all throughout the season like I said I had uh Ronald Jones pretty high I did start to sour on him a little bit still had him in my top 10 uh but I believe I dropped him down to about seven and I ended up moving Nick Chubb up to four I wish I would have moved Nick Chubb up over Royce Freeman uh, but I was a little bit more worried about Carlos Hyde than I probably should have been. Now, uh, obviously, hindsight being 2020 on that. But for today's podcast, we are going to continue our uh, recapping uh, position breakdowns for the 2018 season. Today, we will be doing the wide receivers. So, again, if you guys haven't been listening to the past couple episodes, what I am doing is uh, giving you the top 12 finishers at the wide receiver position in the 2015 season between weeks 1 and 16, uh, cumulative points. PPR scoring. I do half point. Uh, most of the leagues I play in are half point scoring. Uh, so that is the metrics that I use to determine mine. I will give you guys obviously my MVP, my most surprising, my most disappointing, and rookie of the year. Alright, so without further ado, let's go ahead and kick this off. The number one wide receiver In the 2018 season and one of my favorite players, I wish I would have touted him more. I had him finishing at number 5 in my preseason ranks for the FLA blog, the Fantasy Life app uh, site, Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers. Finished with 274.1 points, averaging 18.27 points a week. Again, talked about him a couple weeks ago on the podcast, this dude was awesome in every single game. First of all, played every single game this year, except for obviously Week 17. He averaged at least 80 yards or a touchdown in every single game, which meant what? He scored double digits in every single game this year. In fact, his lowest scoring points, I will read them to you right now. Week 4, 12.1. Week 9, 13.0. Everything else was above, I'm sorry, and he had a 14.7 week as well. Everything else was 15 or above. Just look at this. 17.3, 16.4, 14.7, 12.1, 24.5, 30.2, 15.8, 13.0, 19.7, 21.6, 15.4, 19.3, 17.6, 17.9, 19.7, 21.6, 15.4, 19.3, 17.6, 17.9, and 18.6. Those last three obviously being all in the playoffs. Devontae Adams is an absolute stud and is not getting the recognition that he deserves. I've still seen uh, in startup drafts that are going on right now, he's still being drafted as like the 4th or 5th wide receiver, which is ridiculous. As much as I love Odell, he is the number one, I think the only player that can be argued with him at the 1-1 position is DeAndre Hopkins. And a lot of that being the fact that DeAndre Hopkins has shown us that he can play with a shitty quarterback if Deshaun Watson were to ever get hurt again and still put up numbers. Devontae Adams has shown that as well. He did a lot of his damage last year with Deshaun Kaiser when Aaron Rodgers was out. He's linked to Aaron Rodgers one of the best, if not the best quarterback playing in the game at the moment. Devontae Adams is the clear 1-1 at the wide receiver position. For me, and just another real quick stat before we move on to number two Devontae Adams in the past three years has scored double digit touchdowns. Alright, so the number two wide receiver in 2018 uh was someone we're used to seeing right up at the top. Antonio Brown finished with two hundred and seventy-one point seven points on the year, averaged eighteen point eleven. Uh Tyree Kill finished number three with two hundred and fifty-four two hundred and fifty-eight point four points on the year, averaging seventeen point two three. Number four, DeAndre Hopkins, finished with two hundred and fifty-seven point three points, averaging seventeen point one five points on on the year. What a year for DeAndre Hopkins and again another player who did not finish with a single digit point week on the year in full point PPR. In half point PPR he finished with one in week twelve when he finished with nine point nine points. Number 5, Michael Thomas, who looked like he was going to set the single season record for receptions earlier in the year. Really kind of fell off. I do think that some of that was due to the fact that Ted Ginn got hurt. He plays much better when he has a decent threat on the other side of him. Uh, he finished with 249.6 points on the year, averaging 16.64 points a week. Number 6, Julio Jones 247.1 points on the year finishing with an average of 16.47 points a week finally finding the end zone this year as well was really really good for Julio Jones number seven Adam Thielen so Thielen who was obviously the number one wide receiver for most of the year at least at the start of the year uh, kind of fell off there toward the end a lot of that I think being contributed to uh, the woes that the Minnesota Vikings offensive line kind of suffered, and that also affecting Kirk Cousins and his ability to throw the ball. He finished with 246.6 points on the air, averaging 16.44 a week. Number 8, Juju Smith-Schuster. I love Juju, man. This kid is just awesome. Didn't quite get past Antonio Brown this year like I thought he would, uh, but you know what? I'm okay with it because the dude still balled out this year again finishing as the number 8 wide receiver 230.2 points on the year averaging 15.35 a week number 9 Robert Woods which is really surprising to me I I did not expect to even see him in the top 10 uh, much less in the uh, top 12 much less in the top 10 so good for Robert Woods Bobbert there having himself a great year this year 219.1 points on the year averaging 14.61 number 10 Mike Evans who quietly had a very good year, over 1,500 yards and 8 touchdowns. Not not a bad year for a wide receiver. I think is a little bit overrated. I might have to change my view on him, unfortunately. Number 11, Keenan Allen. Oh, in case I didn't give Mike Evans points, I'm sorry. 215.8 on the year, averaging 14.39 a week. Keenan Allen comes in at 11 with 203.2 points on the year, averaging 13.55 a week. And then number 12, Stefan Diggs, and the last player to finish in the 200s again, much like the, uh, running backs, 200.6 points on the year with a 14.33 a week average. So, for my awards, I think the MVP easily has to go to Devontae Adams, in my opinion. Uh, Adams here, again, finished not only as the best wide receiver on the year, but um, just ahead of Antonio Brown in points uh, and, obviously, average weekly points. And I get that. He was just barely above Antonio Brown. But you expect that out of Antonio Brown. Nobody expected that out of Devontae Adams. In fact, his ADP was 2.8. So you were getting him late in the second round most of the time. Now, a lot of people were grabbing him early. I know I got him early in the uh, in the second round as well. There was some drafts that I got him in the third round. Um, so just ridiculous. Ridiculous return on value for Devontae Adams. Not someone you expected to be up there. For me, he was the MVP. I think everybody else outside of Adam Thielen uh, it was expected to be up there. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. I was I was, saw something funny. Uh, so for me, yes, MVP has to be Devontae Adams. He deserved that. The most surprising player for me... I think it's going to go to not even think. I know who I'm giving it to. It's Tyler Boyd from someone who I don't even think registered more than a hundred points last year. If a hundred points last year jumped all the way up to finishing as a number fifteenth wide receiver on this on the year with a hundred and eighty three point one points, averaging thirteen point zero eight. Now he did struggle toward the end, being the number one. Uh, I think he is much like. Um, Michael Thomas and that he needs someone kind of on the opposite side there to help him out. I don't think Tyler Boyd is a true number one. I don't think anybody thought that when they drafted him, whether in their rookie drafts or any other uh, redraft, startup, league, whatever. Nobody expects him to be a number one, uh, but he is much better when he has a decent threat on the other side of him like he had most of the year in A.J. Green, and he showed it. The rookie of the year. Now, this was a hard one for me. There were only two rookie wide receivers that really did much of anything this year. Both of them, uh, the two guys that were getting most of the talk during the uh, preseason, after the combine, and after the draft. And that would have been Calvin Ridley, um, who among rookies finished 7th in points. He finished with 174.8 points, averaging 10.92 a week. And then it was DJ Moore, who finished with 132.5, averaging 8.28. For me, the rookie of the year is DJ Moore. Calvin Ridley, while he had a great year, uh, and obviously outproduced him by almost forty points here, I actually did outproduce him by forty points. Most of that 40 points came on a couple big weeks for Calvin Ridley, and that's really what he had. He was either boom or bust for me. He had a lot of weeks where he did absolutely nothing, or he's getting you like 5 to 6 points, 3 points, 1 point, and then would mix in a 16, an 18, a 37, and a 19 point here in between a lot of down games. DJ Moore, on the other hand, while he did nothing, Up until the bye week, because Carolina wasn't using him after the bye week, while he didn't have very many huge games, 8.7, 8.7, 4.4, 15.4, 4.3, 4.5, 25.2, 13.8, 8.5, 9.2, 3.4, 10.1. He was very consistent, and that's exactly what I want out of DJ Moore. I felt more comfortable putting DJ Moore in my lineup than Calvin Ridley because I felt like I had a safe floor compared to what I got with Calvin Ridley. So for me... The wide receiver rookie of the year goes to D.J. Moore. As for the most disappointing wide receiver, uh, it's been really hard for me to pick. You know, A.J. Green didn't have that great a year, but a lot of that I think goes back to his injury. We had, you know, a lot of people were talking about uh, Odell Beckham being a disappointment. I could see that in the fact that he was drafted, uh, likely in the top seven or eight picks in your draft. And he ended up finishing 15th at the wide receiver position, just missed out on 200 points. Again, didn't play in the final three weeks of the NFL season, not even counting week 17. Um, and in all honesty, he produced he average 16.6 points a week, only had two single-digit games in between, obviously missing all that. So for me, I just can't throw... Uh, Odell Beckham in that category I I just think he was too good while he was on there you can't hold injuries against somebody Um, you know there's a lot of obviously been a lot of talk that he sat out because the team was so bad and he just didn't want to play with Eli and get hurt even more I don't know I can't speak to that because I don't know Odell personally I don't know if that's something he would really do so I can't say obviously if he did do that that is, it kind of sucks that you wouldn't go out there and put yourself out on the line for your teammates like your teammates do for you every game. But I can't imagine that he did do that. Maybe I'm, I am an OJ. OJ, my goodness. I'm an OJ apologist too. Just kidding. I am an OBJ apologist. So take that for what you will. If you, if you guys you know, think that that's crazy. You can at me if you want, but I, I don't think OBJ had that disappointing of a year. I mean, he ended up costing me a chance to three-peat uh, in one of my main redraft leagues because he sat out those last three weeks in the playoffs and I was forced to start Tim Patrick. Um, yet, now in all honesty, I still could have won the league had I just you know, played someone over Tim Patrick like Naheem Hines because I lost by point seven points and that's not on Odell, uh, though I did think he'd come back that week and help me out, um, and he didn't. So I think for me, one of the biggest disappointments, so what I guess I'm going to give it to. Um, And I still don't think he was horrible, uh, but it would be Corey Davis of the Tennessee Titans. A lot of people had high hopes for Corey Davis. A lot of people were drafting him in the top 12 to 15 of wide receivers, uh, just uh, based on his upside and all of the hype around him, thinking this would be his year. He did kind of finish off the year last year on a high note. Um, A lot of people believing in um, the new coaching staff and everything being brought in Under uh, Mike Vrabel, they were revolutionizing the offense and everything. Uh, A lot of people were very high on Corey Davis, and he just kind of flamed out in this one. He ended up finishing at 29th at the wide receiver position on the year, 150.1 points, averaging just 9.38. Again, there was a couple other players that I could have given it to, but for me, um, he's one of the guys I know for sure was being very highly touted and talked about and really kind of struggled to come through. So that right there is going to do it for the wide receiver wrap-up of 2018. I will be back. No, yes, I will be back tomorrow. With the tight end position, again, that one is not really much going on outside of like the top four, in my opinion, uh, but we will still break it down, and then I will preview this weekend's game's wild card weekend, give you guys who I think will win and lose. Before I get off today, though, I wanted to quickly touch on playoff leagues, if anybody is playing in those, so there's two that I've always played in, um, I imagine there's probably other iterations, um, but the only two that I've really ever played in and know how How they work is uh, you get to pick one player... a one player, one. I'm sorry, there's three that I've played in. My goodness, I'm I'm all over the place right now. So one, you get to choose one player once the entire time. So say you decide to use Patrick uh, Mahomes a quarterback next week, you can't use him again, even if they make it into the Super Bowl. Um, and there's going to be a common tie to all three of these, uh, all three of these methods here that I'll get to in a minute. The other one is you draft an entire team. So I play in one where you have to have one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers. Receivers, a tight end, a kicker, and a defense. And you draft your team. Uh, now it's only 10 teams, so everybody gets a fair amount of decent players in here. But, you know, say that I draft Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck gets knocked out this weekend. I no longer have a quarterback for the rest of the playoffs, uh, which is a big deal. But same thing, you draft your entire team. Whoever you draft, you get as many points from, them from as many games as they play. Again, common thread between the first method and the second method. And then the last method, which is, again, one of my favorites to play. I know that it's on NFL.com. Uh, That's where I usually play it at in the playoff challenge. Uh, you get to pick a team. Um, And if they survive the week, they get a multiplier. So, say that again, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. So, I pick up Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Even though they don't play this week, they get a times two multiplier next week because they survived a week. And the same thing goes on and on. So, say then at the same time, I pick Marlon Mack as one of my running backs this week because I think, you know what, the Colts are going to win, the Colts end up losing. I then lost my running back, so I can plug in anybody I want, and I could even at that point plug in Damian Williams at the Kansas City Chiefs. Even though he survived the week, I did not have him in my lineup, so I don't get the times two multiplier. I just have the one. But say that they go to the Super Bowl, at that point I'll have a times three multiplier with Damian Williams and then a times four with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. That one is by far my favorite method to play um, just because I love the wacky scoring and the way that people can really make up uh, points on people if they guess the right matchups throughout the uh, throughout the playoffs and that is the key with that with, regardless of whatever matchup or whatever uh, form that you play in the playoff challenge you need to predict the matchups correctly and so that is my advice to you guys if any of you are in playoff drafts I have two tonight and three tomorrow night do your best to think or predict out how you think the playoffs are going to go. And then draft your teams that way. For the ones where you have to draft the whole team. And you can only use whatever. You get those players. And you get whatever points forever. How they long, long they last. I personally like to mix it up a little bit. I don't try to go all one or two teams. Uh, I do try to lean heavily toward one AFC or NFC team. That I think is going to uh, make it. But I also try and play some of the matchups. So for instance I already did one yesterday. And I took Zeke because he fell to me in the second round. Um, and even though... Zeke could be out after the first matchup. Uh, I know he's going to get the ball a lot. He's going to get a lot of points. Chances are the Cowboys could win, though. And then there's a chance Cowboys could go all the way. If, say, they win this weekend and the Eagles win and they go to Los Angeles, I could see them beating the Rams. Just like I can see the Rams easily losing to Chicago next week. if uh, Obviously, if the the Eagles lose to the Bears and the Rams and the Bears will play each other, I can see the Rams losing to the Bears. So I can understand people who picked up Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, um, you know, Trey Burton, Mitchell Trubisky. So for me, that's my only advice to you guys on that is try and predict out the playoffs and how you think they're going to go and then pay attention to those teams and try and get those players uh, because that's going to be key to winning the cash and winning your playoff leagues. Uh, so that right there Will do it for me today. Again, you guys can find me at Sports MB on Twitter. If you guys have any more questions about playoff leagues, need any help with lineups, trades, or anything, I know a lot of dynasty leagues. You can do trading already. Uh, if you're trading in leagues and you want your opinion or want my opinion on if you should do a trade or just need a sounding board, I'm always there. You can at me, DM me, whatever you guys want to do. I'd be glad to help. Uh, if you guys ever have time, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. I would appreciate that as well. Um, and and then that's it. I will. Uh, I will see you guys again tomorrow. Have yourselves a great night. Uh, unfortunately, no Thursday night football. Not that you, you guys already expected that because we haven't had it for a couple weeks. But regardless, um, it's gonna suck, guys. It's almost over with. Uh, now that I think about it, that wave of depression is kind of crashing on me, and it sucks to know the NFL season's almost over with. That's why you need to get a dynasty leagues, people. If you haven't played a dynasty league, I'm telling you. It goes year-round, baby, just like the NFL, and it's awesome. Until tomorrow, though, guys, have yourselves a great night. We'll talk on Friday. Peace. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came like the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honest. No one up above his head. They can't jump with me. God, they tackle like the 4 year Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>